We started a series last week called Space People, and we started by talking about, you know, is it about space, is it about Mars and Jupiter and stuff, and if it's about that stuff, it's absolutely irrelevant to us today. But of course, it's not about those things. It's not about space out there, it's about space in here. And it's about the spaces where God meets us and connects with us and holds us. I want to talk about those spaces a little bit today from a, maybe a, a, a little bit changed perspective. Um, but the things that were true that we launched into last week are still true today. And the way that God reaches out to us and the way that God loves us is as true today as it was last weekend and the weekend before and every day since we put our faith in Christ, every day. We talked last week about what happens in spaces like this. And the theme that we came into last week was the first place most people get a glimpse of Jesus is in a crowd. And that matters. It matters to every one of us. It matters to the people around us that they get a glimpse of Jesus. They get a glimpse of him so often for the first time in a place like this, in a crowd setting. And we just think that matters a ton. There's a smaller place where God meets us, too, and... Uh, we got, we're going to have some good time out in the lobby tonight um, just checking some of these things out. But we have these, we have these places we call small groups. Some, some churches, some people call them Bible studies, but they're really more than that. They are that, but then they're more than that because they're not just about studying the Bible. You can study the Bible and study the Bible and study the Bible, and if it never seeps into your soul, it never matters. I mean, I would never say the Word of God doesn't matter, but if, it doesn't, if you don't let it in, it's not going to matter to you. And in those small groups, we have a chance to let the scriptures get into our soul and let it shape us and, and move us and transform us. And so we have that small space. I, we, we'll talk about it next weekend. It's really the craft space. It's where the crafts of a well-crafted life get, in, get engaged in our lives, where those things move us to be connected to Jesus, uh, even in times like this. And then there's a space in the middle. It's a, it's a connection space. It's where, it's where God does some amazing things among us. And it's beautiful because whatever stuff you're going through in life today or this week or this year, whatever, however you respond to news uh, that comes up, whether it's news of someone else or whether it's news in your own life, in your own family, whatever those things are, there's something that God does among us in, in this space, this connection space that I want to talk about that is a gift from God because it lets us see him, which is exactly what we want to do. 
Let me, uh, we're going to turn to scripture in a minute, but let me just have you think back to where we were last week. Last week we talked about the, the big event, uh, the big event in Jesus' life besides the crucifixion and resurrection. Maybe the biggest event was when Jesus fed 5,000 people on a hillside one day. And the disciples thought it couldn't be done, and Jesus said it can be done. In fact, don't, don't send people away to go buy food tonight. Why don't, you, why don't you give them something to eat yourself, yourselves? Why don't you guys do that? And they said, no, 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 we could never do that. And Jesus said, yeah, 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 you can. What do you have? They said, well, we have, uh, we have a couple of small fish and five loaves, not like... Not like Dave's killer bread size loaves, but like little loaves, like more like tortillas, you know, or something like that. We got, that's what we have. That's all we have. And there's 5,000 men here. And, you know, this is not going to work. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. When you go to the gospel stories, we just looked at one account of it last year, but this event was so big in the life of Jesus that it shows up in all four of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell this story. There's very few stories that all four gospel writers tell. This is one of the ones that they all tell. And they all tell it from a little bit of a different slant. Matthew tells it. This is the one we saw last week. Matthew tells it from the slant of how many people were there. They all say 5,000. That's a big crowd to feed. We got a hot dog dude out there tonight. He's like (laughs) 5,000 hot dogs. Uh, that's That's a lot of people. But Matthew takes it a step further and he goes, he goes, uh, it's, it's not just 5,000 people, it's 5,000 men, plus, he's very explicit, plus women and children. I'm like, there's got to be, there's got to be 15 or 20,000 people out there, Matthew tells us with his account. John tells us from a little, he gives us a little bit different slant on how it comes about. His, he's the one that tells us there was a lot of green grass there. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, maybe it lets you know it's spring. I don't know. I've been to Israel. It's like there's not a lot of green grass anywhere. There is in March or February, maybe. So he tells us there's green grass. And then the other two uh, storytellers, gospel writers, Mark and Luke, they tell us something together in their version of it. They say when Jesus told the disciples to feed people, feed these, all the, this multitude of people, he says, have them sit down in groups of 50 or 100. And you could look at that, and some of you are engineers, and so you're like, oh, yeah, he's getting them organized, which he is. He's getting them organized, but it's not just about organization. Organization can be soulless. It can be really important, but it can be soulless. Like, put them in, put them in groups of 50 to 100. Nose, count noses and sit them down on the green grass, and let's feed them. But there's something beyond the soul that's going on with this thing. Because imagine if Jesus just said to the disciples, feed everybody. I mean, you got, you got two and a half sandwiches here. Feed everybody, and then let's get on with it. Uh, and they would have just started feeding people and handing up for this in some kind of a natural amphitheater, perhaps, where they, were, where they were gathered together. And they're just passing food back. The people in the back row never would have known what hit them. The people in the back row would have thought there were food trucks behind the venue somewhere pulling out all that food, and it just just kept coming. But once Jesus had them sit down in groups of 50 to 100, now something changed. Because now, in that mid-sized space, 50 to 100, 
Jesus gave every person who was present a front row seat to the miracle. Jesus said, you feed them. And then he, he took the loaves and he took the fish and he looked up to heaven. He broke them and looked up in the heavens, thanked God for what he had. And then he said to the disciples, you do it. You feed them. So I don't think Jesus did all the breaking. I don't think Jesus did all the multiplying. I think the disciples did. And they'd have a basket, and they'd take it out to a group of 50 to 100, and they'd start breaking it and passing it out. And people were in the front row. They're like, what's happening? He just keeps making more food. He just keeps breaking more food. What's happening? And once people got into this space where they were in this mid-sized space, 50 to 100 people, they had a front row seat to the miracle that God was doing. We are... We, we have organized our ministries in the last year or so in, in three different size groups. The big group, which is this, like the crowd size, the, the craft size, a small group, the, you know, eight to ten people in a room sharing life together. And then the mid-sized group, 50 to 100 people. We've got, we started these groups, you know. We talk about them a lot, like the, the um, families with young children, mid-sized group, the the. Uh, parents with teenagers, mid-sized group, and the empty nesters, mid-sized group, and the seniors, mid-sized group. We've reorganized our men's and women's ministries into mid-sized groups where there's 50 to 100 people coming to an event. And the reason we're doing that is because we want you to have a front row seat to what God is doing. We are passionate about making sure that we participate in the ministry together. That it's not me or the other pastors or the music leaders or the kids fest teachers. It's not us doing the ministry. It's us doing the ministry. Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And then he put everybody on the front row of what God was doing. God wants you on the front row of what he's doing. There's a story in Acts chapter 1, and I'm not going to have time to read it all to you, or you won't be able to see everything that's going on in the lobby, so I want you to be able to see that. But let me, let me see if I can read a little bit of this for you and um, engage your heart with it. Acts chapter 1 uh, says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So this, this book, Book of Acts, it's known as the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of Jesus. He starts out by saying, I wrote another book to you. This, we find out this book is written by this man named Luke. He wrote the gospel of, yeah, it's not a trick question. It's like, right? He, he wrote the gospel of Luke. He wrote that one. And if you go to that gospel, you'll find out when he, when he starts a letter, he says, Theophilus, I've, I've researched all this stuff, and I want to give you a history of the life of Jesus. And so he writes that one to Theophilus, which means God lover. And he writes this one to Theophilus, which means God lover. He's writing to God lovers, which is us. That's why we're here. He writes it to us, and he says, my, my first book that I wrote, the Gospel of Luke, uh, I wrote that about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. 
And if you're not paying attention, you'll go, oh, yeah, and Jesus, then Jesus got crucified. They executed him, and so everything he began to do and teach got interrupted. He was going to do more, but it got interrupted. But if you go to the book of Acts, you'll find out Jesus didn't get interrupted. What he began to do and teach is what he did in his lifetime. But after his resurrection, he continued to do and to teach things through his followers. This is the story of what Jesus continued to do and teach through us. And it goes through 28 chapters in that first century of Jesus' followers. But it really never ends. It really never finishes. Because what Jesus began to do and teach 2,000 years ago, he continues to do and teach today. And we're all a part of it. He invites us in to be a part of it. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter where you came from. He invites you in to be a part of it. He invites me in to be a part of it. And he doesn't invite me to be in. To, to, he doesn't invite me into it to be a part of it because I'm a pastor. He invites me in to be a part of it because I'm a Jesus follower. And he invites you in to be a part of it because you follow Jesus. And he wants to continue what he does and what he teaches through you in your life these days. If you jump down to chapter 1, verse 12, it, said, it makes this statement. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, about a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And the next verse says, and there were about 120 of them, which is a pretty nice-sized, mid-sized group. And that's the group through which Jesus changed the world. Do you notice who was there? The 12 were there. Actually, it was the 11 because Judas Iscariot was not there. But the 11 disciples were there, Peter and James and John and Andrew and Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He was there. They're there in this room, gathered together after the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, I want you to wait in the city till the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when he does, you're going to do amazing things. And you're going to bring the kingdom of God into this world. And so the... The 11 disciples of Jesus, the official ones, the apostles were there. But did you see who else was there? It wasn't just them. It wasn't just the professionals. It was others. There were, there were the women. Not just women, not just like any old women. It was the women, he says. Well, like, which women? Who was there? If you go back to Luke chapter 8, the other story that Luke wrote beside, like, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach, if you go back to that story, in chapter 8, he describes the disciples and the women, and he starts to name them. There's one named Mary, not Jesus' mother, but her, her, kind of her go-to name was Magdalene. She was from a little town on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. Demons have been called out from her. They'd been destroying her life, but she decided to follow Jesus, and he redeemed her life, and she was there. And 
a woman named Joanna was there. Her, her husband was the manager of King Herod's household. Like he's the supervisor of Herod's stuff, of all of his personal stuff. And, and personal and government got all blended together. She, her husband was manager of a fortune. And here she is traveling around with Jesus and his disciples. There's another woman there named Susanna. We don't, we don't even know anything but her name. But she's there. Sometimes you look at your life, you go, nobody knows me. Nobody knows who I am. They don't even know my name. But you're in the room. You're in the 120. You're in the mid-sized group, which means Jesus wants you to have a front row seat to the things that God is doing. And you can't just look at somebody else down the row and go, yeah, that's that, that's that guy. I know, I know that guy is really involved in what Jesus is doing. Or I know that woman is really involved in what Jesus is doing. He goes, don't look down the row. Look right here in your heart, in your life. Because Jesus wants you to be on the front row of what he's doing. In Luke, it's, what, it's about what he began to do and teach. But in Acts and in today's world, in this mission he calls church... It's what he continues to do and teach through you and through me. And, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. What a month it had been for her. She sat in the dirt when she watched her son get crucified. And then she was there when he rose again. And Jesus' brothers were there. Do you want to know one reason you know for sure that Jesus actually is the Son of God and that he died on a cross and he rose again for us? Do you want to know what pretty much guarantees that's true? His brothers believed in him. I mean, do you have brothers? In fact, it says, back in the Gospels, it says that Jesus' brothers, weren't, they weren't buying it. When, they, when he was going around teaching and all that stuff, they were cynics. They were skeptics. They weren't buying it. But after his resurrection, they were in, and they were in the room. You may have come from a skeptical background. You go, Jesus could, Jesus could never do anything through me, or he wouldn't want to do anything through me, or I'm not worth having anything done through me. He goes, no. Even my brothers were in the house. And Jesus wants to continue to do and teach things through us these days. And one of the beautiful ways that happens through a church and through Lakeside is through what we call mid-sized groups. They're about connection. Because everybody in that room of 120, they knew everybody. Everybody. Their leader had been executed, and their lives were on the line. They knew everybody in the room. And together, they continued to do what Jesus was doing and teaching and changing the world. We're going to ask you, we're going to give you a chance. You'll hear from uh, our pastors, Ryan and Alicia, a little bit later. And they're going to invite you to come out in the lobby tonight and... Um, hang out for a while and get a hot dog and, you know, check out the groups. What I really want to get a hot dog if you want, but what I want you to do is check out the groups. 
Where do you fit in those things? Where do you go in those things? Because those are the things, those are the places where we think you're going to get a front row view to what God is doing among us. And I want you to see it. Father, I pray for us tonight. Lord, we come uh, with a lot of heavy hearts, mine too. But Lord, you have not stopped being God and you've not stopped being worthy of our worship. You've not stopped being good to us. You've not, you've not been incapacitated from giving us peace and power and the ability to serve you. So I pray that you would do those things. Move in our hearts, move in our lives, move in our church, Lord, for transformation. In each one of us, and through each one of us. Lord, thank you. We honor you together. We love you together. We want to serve you with everything we have for the sake of Jesus. Amen.